Hi, welcome to Little Pieces Club Ministries podcast. My name is Chris Polad. I'm known as Mr. Chris to the kids at Little Pieces Club small groups. I'm a Bible nerd, a child of divorce, an author, and I created Little Pieces Club Ministries around the idea that when our hearts break, God can still make works of art from the broken pieces. I run small groups for children and teens and consult with and support parents. I also give lectures and seminars on request. The content centers around the science of adversity, abuse and neglect, or ACE science, and how biblical design patterns harmonize with it. We are non-doctrinal and base our teachings on uh, biblical scholarship. And along the way of this path, I discovered that Jesus' story, wrapped in the design patterns of the Good Shepherd and Tree of Life, help us process, grieve, forgive, and reintegrate our souls after trauma and relational toxicity. This helps us grow strong in solitude and community and leading us and helps us love God, self, and others, which happen to be the most important blessings we can experience and give. The podcast is geared to help parents understand their children's point of view and to be a good shepherd and tree of life through the hard times. I've started a new series of short videos called God Questions in Context with Dr. Chris. I tweet this out and share it on Instagram, and it can be found on our YouTube channel. You can connect with us at www.littlepiecesclub.com. You can send us an email at littlepiecesministries at gmail.com, and then follow us on socials at... um, LPC Ministries for Instagram, at Club Pieces on Twitter, and at Little Pieces Club on TikTok. We also have a YouTube video uh, channel uh, to look at all of our small groups and the videos that accompany the podcasts. We also have a Facebook site as well. So now let's get into the uh, this week's episode. Today we're starting a series of parent frequently asked questions. Uh, this is part one. And I'm currently not sure how long we'll go. My hope is that people listening will give me questions via email. Otherwise, I will delve into conversations that I've had with parents over the years and just answer the questions that have come up. So as we do that, I like to just make sure that I'm setting the stage of context because context is everything. So as we start to talk about specific parenting questions, I want to make sure we've got a couple things in mind. The first thing to keep in mind regarding our context is that Little Pieces Club Ministries is committed to uncovering the synergy between modern adversity science and the deep biblical design patterns that help us recover from adversity and build resilience. And among those patterns... The Good Shepherd and Tree of Life pattern uh, reign supreme because Jesus essentially in his I am statements pointed us to those patterns as a great description of who he is. And if we think about it, that we go through this development from lost sheep to rescued sheep to then Good Shepherd and Tree of Life. It's a great way to think about what you're doing with your children as you're parenting them. You are parenting them along the spectrum as well, which harmonizes so nicely with the biblical design patterns themselves. 
And running in the background is our Tree of Life, um, private Christian journey and public Christian journey concepts. Um, if you're just listening to the podcast, um, what I'm showing on the video is our list of um, skills in our curriculum. And remember, at the heart of it is the idea that we have to grieve and forgive and overcome shame as we emerge from our childhoods and become uh, active in the choices that go along our lives. And so we divide our curriculum into things that must take place in solitude and then um, things that uh, must take place or skills that we develop in community. And so as we um, parent, we keep these in mind as well so that our, our children must develop their own solitude skills and then we encourage them in the community setting as well. So if we keep that in mind, it also is very helpful to guide our parenting. So when we get to the actual questions, we can think through this idea of the tree of life that has roots in the soil that need to be strengthened, and then um, also trunk, branches, and fruit that all will be able to see all through life. And the next piece of context to keep in mind is not only do we have this idea of grief, forgiveness, and overcoming shame as uh, significant tasks that the biblical context talks about for us, um, we also have the idea of attachment. And Little Pieces Club is about the attachment to God as one of our primary resilience factors throughout life. So as we parent our children, if we keep in mind this idea of attachment, uh, it's very important. And uh, specific to parents, we need to realize that our, that our children's attachment to the parents, you, your spouse, are extremely important. So um, even in a divorced setting, uh, we need to do everything we can to at the very least support the attachment um, and example setting for each child. So in our, in our world today, um, I, I do believe that one thing that we are not doing well is providing good, clear attachments to the idea of male and female. And this is, uh, we're fighting some winds in the culture, uh, uh, in wind, uh, as in the blowing wind of the culture. But um, it's very clear in our biology that we have been created as males and females. And so children need to grow up seeing healthy examples of males and females that love God themselves and others. And I think we'll see some of this um, uh, identity uh, crisis that we're all living through right now begin to ebb if we can provide those good examples uh, for our children because they have to then form some type of attachment to their own uh, gender role and be able to attach to the role of the opposite sex. Now, there's going to be a lot of discussion about these points, 
but in the far, far vast majority of the way uh, ways people are created and experience life, um, keeping this attachment in mind as it relates to sex and role um, is important. And I really want to take some time to unpack this and realize that I am not at all saying that a woman can't um, be in the, the workplace, um, but a woman can be in the workplace and still be very healthy in being able to balance love for God, self, and others. And any type of role within a family needs to be negotiated in a win-win fashion with the partner. And that's all I'm really saying. I'm not adhering to some fixed, rigid uh, family structure. We just have too much um, too much variety in life and families need to be flexible in how they structure uh, things. But we do need to make sure that children are appropriately parented and have good examples to follow. Um, and that's, that's all that I'm saying from the Little Pieces Club uh, side of things. So we are going to talk about our first uh, FAQ, which is what is the ideal parenting strategy? And so as parents are um, planning for separate homes, um, this may come up. And especially, hopefully, in the collaborative divorce process, um, they can at least hash out some basic rules about uh, parenting. So we need to talk about the various um, types of parenting strategies that are out there and then uh, talk about um, perhaps uh, picking the um, most uh, effective one. So there are four basic parenting strategies. The first one is called authoritarian. The next one is close and chaotic. The third is distant. The fourth is authoritative. And then Karen Purvis's work uh, on the connected child tells us that we can work in concepts of attachment-based parenting, especially to children who are um, coming from high adversity homes. So let's, let's talk through these one at a time. So first of all, authoritarian is the my way or the highway type parenting. And that is the parent makes all the rules and the children are passive recipients of those rules. And nobody, I don't think, sets out to be an authoritarian, but when they um, feel some type of threat or that the children need uh, a particular type of parenting, this can come out as kind of my way or the highway. And unfortunately, it is sort of the opposite of connection and attachment-based parenting because um, when it becomes a win-lose dynamic, uh, the children are the one that lose and they um, don't feel uh, fully supported. Um, we'll, we'll go through um, effective discipline strategies in just a few minutes. So if you have questions about this and have certain scenarios that come up, um, we'll, we'll address some of those in just a minute. So close and chaotic is basically the next, um, the next phase uh, that people will sometimes address. 
And what this is, is kind of what it sounds like. Um, the family is very enmeshed and boundary lines are very, um, very uh, flexible and loose. It's where the parents want to be the best friends of the children. And so, as you can imagine, um, it's almost the stark opposite of authoritarian. And that is where the children seem to make all of the rules and the parents just to support them go along with as, as much as possible. And unfortunately, at a, at a deep place, children do require some amount of structure. And um, this, this, this is absent in this type of parenting. Um, also, I do believe that when we talk about uh, parental alienation syndrome in just a few minutes, um, this close and chaotic structure might uh, arise in one of the households where any amount of um, kind of structure in the other will seem like it goes against this best friend type dynamic. Um, so we do have to be careful about the way that this one develops. Kids deep in their heart require some amount of structure to feel safe. So um, this is just basically too far on the spectrum of softness and interpersonal relationship with children. Uh, next, we have the distant type. And so this is going to be the parent who is always at work and really cannot connect with the children. And um, the children feel like they have to raise themselves. Again, it messes with the children's sense of safety and care um, and can build up quite a bit of resentment, just like the authoritarian style. So authoritative is widely considered to be the, um, the most ideal balance of sort of all of the above extremes, where we have uh, warmth and say a sense of emotional and physical safety that the parents provide, but that also uh, goes along with structure and rules, kind of the whole love and logic idea uh, goes right along with that. And so, um, so I would uh, really work the families toward this authoritative style. And this is where the kids understand the rules, but they don't have to be, the rules don't have to be in their face because um, proper uh, connection-based parenting has happened so that they know the rules, they know that they're being supervised, and they know that if the rules are applied, it will be gentle and corrective. Now, we will go into further discipline uh, practices in just, in just a minute. So when we talk about attachment-based parenting, um, Karen Purvis's work at Texas Christian University um, was specifically with foster kids that have been through a lot of abuse and neglect. And so in order to make connections with these kids, she came up with a few uh, particular uh, things, and that is making sure that um, we're making eye contact and that we gently direct kids to look at our, our, our faces and then um, talk in a very supportive um, but firm tone and uh, when needed, uh, but also be very gentle. So we can almost hear a lot of the Good Shepherd in the work that she does. So we'll remember this kind of gentle turning a face towards ourselves. Um, and even if we have to do some type of discipline, 
keeping the child as close to you as possible. And um, we'll hit uh, some discipline in just a moment. So again, for divorced parents, as we talk through these uh, parenting strategies, the point is to always come to the, the same page. And um, unfortunately, if things are um, kind of in lose-lose fashion during the divorce, this will be very difficult. So I do um, strongly encourage the collaborative process during, uh, during the divorce proceedings, where at some point, one of the bullet points is what type of parenting style um, are you guys going to do uh, between the separate households? Because um, as you might imagine, if one parent has a, a completely different uh, parenting style than the other, that it will impact the children in one way, shape, or form. So our second parenting question is, what if my child is acting out? So I once got a question about a very angry teenager after the divorce process began, and they were even looking at respite and um, protect, uh, potentially even the police were called because he was acting out his anger so much towards uh, the mom figure. And in this case, um, dad was um, kind of, uh, I think, very hurt by the divorce, but was expressing it in a lot of anger and verbal violence. And um, mom was uh, requesting the divorce and looked like uh, the bad guy in terms of how the child was perceiving things. So age is important uh, when we consider uh, how children are acting out. A toddler is different than a child, which is different than a preteen and then a teenager. And remember that our tools are curiosity. Um, if they are safe, then being curious about what's going on um, first can really help you understand things. And just remember that you cannot scold them into feeling safe. We've got to use attachment-based parenting, positive regard, and we'll um, go over that here in just a minute. But the other thing to realize is that anything that a child is trying to do is in some way, shape, or form trying to help them survive. So as we're curious about what's going on, we need to always be asking the question internally, how is this helping them out? Many times kids are acting out in um, a way that uh, during a divorce process because they think somehow it will help the parents get back together. Whether they have to work together to understand what's going on with the child or just express their uh, deepest emotions. So remember, um, in times where uh, kids are acting out, um, that you as a parent can channel uh, the spirit of the Good Shepherd. And that means go find them and make sure that they can hear your voice. And that means that they feel understood, known, and valued despite this behavior that you're seeing. And so that you can also help them being proactive, which in psychological terms is now referred to as agency. But those are the things that are going on. So when a child is acting out, they are hurt in some way um, and or angry. 
So being able to attune to what's going on with them is crucially important. So one of the other concepts that we need as we are um, helping a a child um, when they are acting out is this uh, idea called the Triangle of Effective Discipline. There's a very long paper that supports this from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, but I've always found it to be a very helpful uh, teaching methodology. And I think I went over it in the first um, podcast of this new season. Um, but we're going to do some highlights real quick because um, I don't think you can overteach this one. Um, so think of a triangle that helps us understand discipline. And I do, before I get into that, I want to make sure that I'm highlighting that a big root of the word discipline is to disciple. And that just means to lead or teach. And so when we talk about discipline, we're not talking about punishment. We're talking in context about the things that we need to do to encourage good behavior in children. And that means helping them deal with adversity and uh, doing so in a way that helps them overcome shame. Um, So remember, those are what's operating in the background. And so if we go to the base foundation side of our pyramid here, we are thinking about unconditional positive regard. So think about the sense that no matter what, someone believes that you are a good person and can contribute uh, amazing things to this world. That is the idea of unconditional positive regard. And um, the writers of the paper for the AAP talk about special time. And this is time where you just, you spend it with the child and there's hardly any discipline in the ideal setting or um, corrective uh, feedback. It's just basically um, setting structure around time where they get to be themselves and you get to um, hear about what their thoughts are and their emotions are and that you don't get angry when they share various thoughts and feelings. So the, the recommendation is every day that every type of child needs some type of unconditional positive regard time with the parent. So this can be thought of as time in. So when we think of the idea of time outs, if it is not balanced with more time in, then time outs are just simply not going to be effective. So next, of and if, if we look at this triangle, we see that the very longest sides are unconditional positive regard, And then what I'm talking about now, which is noticing good things. And so this is that children need the sense that they are being watched. And that's not only to catch them being bad, it's to catch them being good. And so if you see things that they are doing, things that they are growing, things that they might have done previously that they're no longer doing, and that's a good thing, just gently pointing those out. You don't have to make a huge deal about it, but you certain you certainly can point those things out. And so remember that these two things need to be in place if we are going to then go to the third side of the pyramid, which is corrective actions. And so ideally, 
again, think of two of the worst behaviors that you need to, to correct and then come up with a consequence of that. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't do other things. You can, um, you can give what's called the hairy eyeball. If a child does something that you know is, is not um, following the rules of the family, all you have to do is look at them in a kind of a, a stern way, and they'll get it. They'll understand that that was something that they shouldn't do, but it doesn't rise to getting yelled at, being sent off, uh, sent away, or sent to a room, or something like that. But for corrective actions, and again, we're going to talk about Karen Purvis, um, timeouts should not be isolating, um, especially for young children have like a pack and play or a playpen that you can situate close to you, but that they feel confined because they did something in a moment um, that uh, was not acceptable. Um, so try, if you can, to do timeouts as close to you as possible, um, but sometimes uh, you may have to be a little bit flexible with that. But remember, if children are acting out, you need to go back to think through this triangle of effective discipline and make sure that you have good, positive um, regard for the child and have uh, really invested time into that and are noticing the good things that they are doing. And some people say eight good things to one bad thing. Um, so that's, that's a lot that we need to kind of uh, build into our children. So let's look then at the triangle of ineffective discipline. And this is where we see an overabundance of corrective actions, yelling, stern talking, that kind of thing, uh, versus very little of noticing good things and uh, almost no uh, special time or one-on-one -on -one time with the child. So again, this is very common. So whenever I have parents come to me, whether it's in the pediatrician office or if I'm supporting them uh, through Little Pieces Club, if they're talking about children who are acting out, I think through the um, triangle of um, discipline and see if they are on the ineffective side or the effective side. So as we've been talking about parenting strategies, um, I do want to put in a uh, shameless plug for the book that uh, we have put out called Do Clouds Get Divorced Too? And um, what that is, is a, it's meant to be experienced together as special time uh, and a safe um, discussion starter between parents and kids for how they have been experiencing the divorce. So uh, don't forget about that resource. Um, again, I know uh, because it's all color and um, fairly long, uh, it is expensive, but given the rest of the expense of divorce proceedings, um, uh, hopefully it's not uh, too bad uh, with, that, with that in mind. Okay. So the last question that we are going to tackle today is um, my child is turning their back on me. And so um, this is a really, really important point uh, that we need to keep in mind. And so if um, a child seems to be doing this, then we have to be very, very aware of the potential for parental alienation syndrome. 
so that if you see that your child is disengaging with you, um, try to think about your ex-spouse. Um, do they tend to be very win-lose and or narcissistic and have uh, somewhat of an immature approach uh, to interpersonal relationships? Um, and that they potentially are venting a lot about you uh, because this is often what happens um, when we begin to see parental alienation syndrome occurring. The children begin to show loyalty to the more externalizing parent out of survival. They want to stay in good, um, in, uh, 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 good relations with that parent. And the other parent is often the one who is being vented about is uh, often very safe. And so the children don't feel as much of a need to um, behaviorally connect with, with that parent. And so um, make no mistake, though, that this is um, a very difficult um, condition called parental alienation syndrome. And my most recent deep dive into this um, noted that it is becoming more and more common. And there is a hesitation in the literature to label this as maltreatment or abuse. Um, I think that's um, uh, perhaps problematic. It, it is definitely that the children show signs uh, that they do uh, when other aspects of mistreatment are occurring. Um, so I think it is, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, inappropriate for children to experience this. And I, I think pretty much any professional uh, would agree. Um, but there's this hesitation to, um, to come out against any aspect of the divorce being mistreatment uh, because many feel that that would lead to uh, political walkback of divorce rights. So um, that is not my intent, uh, nor would I ever use this um, for that purpose. Um, but we have to call a spade a spade. And so we need to look through uh, the basics and what are known about parental alienation syndrome. And um, what this, as I mentioned, it's particularly a, a narcissistic parent and uh, unfortunately, for the gender war, um, more often than not, the female parent, uh, so the mother, is venting a lot about the um, absent father. Uh, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there can be very narcissistic fathers that are doing the same thing to the mother. It just so happens that when we look at the cases, it's more often the mother than the father. Um, there is uh, a couple of things that it you can think of it as a toxic form of social bullying uh, within the power structure of a family that is made possible by the, the separation uh, that exists after the divorce. So um, you can uh, get the sense that when two separate households are formed, that the narcissistic venting parent um, has free reign uh, to mention these things. And children are, again, they're doing everything they can to survive. And so they um, begin to come in line with what the venting parent is saying, uh, again, for survival. 
So what do we do to uh, counteract the uh, parental alienation syndrome? And probably where I want to start is realizing that nice guys finish last in this. Um, so a lot of times um, we uh, kind of fall into the mindset of being the, the bigger parent and just um, doing what we're supposed to do and not in terms of not bad mouthing the other parent uh, when they're not present. But unfortunately, what that leaves is an opportunity for the, like I said, the narcissistic venting parent um, to have a lot of uninterrupted time uh, with um, the other kids, in essence, turning them against the parent. Um, I watched this play out in teenagers um, where one does has no idea, uh, but the other one will then claim that, um, say that they've been kicked out of their, you know, they've done something that the other person so uh, suddenly everyone listening to this one person believes very negative things about the other person. And so it's a very t uh, difficult and insidious dynamic, um, but it seems to be at play in multiple levels of our society. So it is a very tough, uh, challenging thing to get through. Um, so we're going to talk about a multi-pronged approach. And number one is um, setting up your relationship with your child so that they feel safe and heard and can express anything. And so that means that you have your own stuff together and that the kids, they could say anything. And it could be dad or mom, you are the worst parent in the world and I hate you. And you have to be so strong in your solitude that you don't let that really impact you and get under your skin because you have to be able to project curiosity to the child about what's going on. And what I usually, you know, and uh, what I usually say in these circumstances is, wow, that's a really strong emotion tell me more about what's going on there. And so what that does is it acknowledges what's been said, but emotionally it keeps your, your reactions on that curious level and not judgmental or reactionary. And so the kids need to know over time that you are the safe adult who is not just safe with their head in the sand, but they are safe and aware of what's going on. And hopefully uh, this will be the beginning of them being able to share what's what's being said. Um, now the other thing, if you if you suspect um, that something is going on, uh, you can always um, kind of uh, use honey instead of vinegar and you can speak um, uh, about the other parent in good positive terms. And then the child might become curious as to why one parent is so hateful of the other. Um, and I've seen, there's, there's really no logic that can be followed here. I've seen a family where the mom is the one who filed for divorce and is then venting to the child that the father 
is um, keeping the family apart by not, um, you know, uh, by not following what the mom would like to do. Um, so again, this is, it, it's really centered on the narcissism and the fact that one parent wants it a certain way and that um, the other parent is basically forming a boundary and uh, having to hold that uh, together. Now, you may have to, uh, if you get, um, you know, pretty hard evidence of what's going on with the, uh, with what's being said and venting and that kind of thing, um, you might need to involve the lawyers and or whatever court mechanism that you're dealing with. Um, in, in one circumstance, and it, uh, the judge had to look at the other parent and basically uh, threaten to take away their visitation rights if they did not facilitate um, good and wholesome communication and transitions um, between uh, parenting uh, households. So uh, the sky is the limit, but let's kind of back up as, as far as we can and um, say the decision has been made to move forward with the divorce, um, looking for a collaborative process uh, for, and that this is this can be formalized in several states, but a collaborative divorce process, and in specific, uh, calling out the need to prevent parental alienation syndrome. And this is where the, the therapists and the psychologists and the experts like myself could, you know, be brought in to, uh, to explain, you know, various aspects of how parental alienation syndrome sets in and, and its impact on the children long term um, and what that actually may mean for the individual parents. So, you know, th this is a phenomenon that's been known for quite a long time. Um, Judith Wallerstein, you know, had several cases that she writes about in her 25-year study where the kid's loyalty was in question. Um, you know, in one case, the son um, of a verbally abusive father became, began to verbally abuse his mother in the father's absence because he felt that was his role. Now, remember that one of the things that we are supposed to be helping prevent is for kids to emerge out of childhood without a deep sense of shame. Well, that's exactly what happened to this kiddo as he grew. Um, he was able to then see uh, the role that he had played and how his father um, ended up, um, you know, bad mouthing his mom, but yet his mom had been a saint throughout the entire process. And he felt, um, just terrible shame uh, for the way he had treated his mother. So even though in the moment the narcissistic um, you know, parent in this circumstance might be um, doing what they feel is best to protect the child by bad-mouthing the, the absent parent, they may uh, end up being alienated themselves when the children grow up and realize the role that they played as children in this toxic dynamic. So being able to get all of this out on the table very early on um, in the divorce process is key. And then, of course, um, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to, uh, to the ministry via email 
um, if you have uh, very specific questions that have to do with parental alienation syndrome. Um, but in general, uh, you know, day to day with your children, just um, do what I've, I've already talked about in terms of set aside special time, um, be a safe individual that they can bond with and speak with and even give them permission. If, you're, if your mom or dad is saying something very negative about me, it's okay for you to bring that up. It's okay for you to be upset about it. And it's okay for us to talk about it. And that way, they don't necessarily have to feel like an informant, but they can feel like it's safe to have that conversation. And of course, the other thing is a safe adult other than a parent. Um, and getting them connected with, say, a therapist who is open to having conversations with the parents, who is able to hear what's going on with the child. And be careful about using family members in this particular sense, because that family member might have a projected loyalty that makes the child feel um, you know, threatened or that they have to then navigate that loyalty if they're going to say what's on their, their heart and their minds. So um, in any, any respect, providing that safe emotional space for the child um, is, is crucially important so they can process uh, this negativity that they're hearing from one side uh, more than the other. Okay, so to, at this point, we are going to uh, pivot from those deep questions. And with that last parental alienation syndrome question, I'm sure there's many people out there that are listening to this that might might be triggered in some way, shape, or form. So what we're going to do is focus on our journal activity and then go through our Lectio process and, and close. And then we will uh, tackle some other questions uh, in the uh, next podcast. So the journal, um, especially for parental alienation syndrome, uh, is a great place if you need to, to vent um, your feelings about the ex-spouse. So this is private and you can definitely keep it hidden from the children and um, just like let loose. If you're angry with what the other spouse is doing, uh, then definitely, definitely, um, you know, express it. Express your anger at God, um, maybe even anger at yourself. Uh, this is where to do it. Um, but I always recommend that people, after they've had that initial emotional dump in the journal, that they ask themselves, what am I going to do to best balance love for self, for other and for for God. And so in this case, balancing love for your child, balancing love for your ex-spouse, even though they might be um, behaving in a way that's uh, very difficult to deal with, and then love for, for God. And then realize that love for self means that you have to be courageous. Um, remember, nice guys finish last, so you don't want to get into a lose-win situation. You always want to um, uh, prepare yourself for a win-win as you are uh, dealing with some things. And um, staying close to God, deciding if it's time to fight, uh, if it's time to include the attorney, um, to have someone write a letter, that kind of thing. And then if there is something connected to your grief and your anger with your grief process in terms of the grieving of the of the marriage or the process that's unfolding or things that you have to deal with 
um, and allow to happen with your children. Um, all of those uh, can be dealt with. Um, I do like the idea of the five whys. Uh, why is this impacting me right now? Um, why, uh, why is it so important to me? Uh, what does it have to do with this process? Uh, what, can I, what can I do? And the other thing is uh, use your journaling time to come up with uh, simple breath prayers. Uh, Lord, I need you. Um, help me. Uh, you know, I need wisdom. You know, those types of, of breath prayers um, are invaluable in moments uh, where you're just very, very emotionally upset and you need to um, be able to uh, show your children a good face. Um, so that's how you uh, would like to, you know, that's how I'd like to, uh, you know, suggest that uh, journaling can help in this in this process. So for our Lectio verse for this week, uh, we're going to stay with Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Uh, My child, uh, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So again, you can kind of see that Proverbs is sort of a child wisdom book. And this is a great example of that. So as a parent looking at this, we can see deep in the Proverbs um, history that uh, there's balance when father corrects you uh, and also listen to mother's instructions. So we're setting up this balance between father's wisdom and mother's wisdom. And what uh, the children are supposed to learn from the parents will crown them with grace. This gives us a sense of responsibility as parents as we're moving forward. And then um, what we impart to our children is supposed to be a chain of honor around their neck. Um, So if we take this full picture and let it um, kind of soak in our roles as parents, we can then focus in on a particular um, verse. So for me, we're going to focus today on we'll crown you with grace. And as a parent, my behavior, my instruction, my love is supposed to crown our children with grace. So that's what I'm going to focus on, uh, crown you with grace. So we're going to read and, and reflect this next time through. My child, listen, when your father corrects you, don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So how are we going to respond to this verse that we are thinking about? And I've already kind of um, gone through it a little bit, but I would say as parents, we're always looking to crown our children with the grace of wisdom and love that we receive from our Holy Father. So I'll read it again with uh, with that in mind. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So now that we know our role as parents is to crown our children with a a chain of grace and honor for around their neck, that helps us um, get into the mindset that we need to be in uh, as parents for our children. So now we can rest in that, like we are children ourselves who have just learned a lesson uh, from from the Father, and it uh, and we'll go through this our final time. 
My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So again, as always, I hope the electio process kind of helps ground us somehow in specific personal messages that we can receive from the scripture itself. So as we do with each episode, uh, we'll, cr- we'll close in prayer. And I, again, thank you for spending time with this podcast. I apologize for missing last week. I was on a, um, a professional conference, uh, but we're back on track uh, for a week or so. And then uh, I take a vacation again. But uh, um, just thank you for spending time with this ministry. Please feel free to like and share Um, I know there's lots of folks who are spiritually struggling uh, with pre-divorce, divorce, and the aftermath, and realize that um, you're not alone, and hopefully this gives you some hope and some direction in how to best parent your children uh, through uh, rough times. So dear Heavenly Father, despite our chaos, Lord, we know you are in control. We are so blessed that you are our good shepherd and tree of life. Thank you for giving us your wisdom and love so that we can in turn give them to our children. We see your patience and kindness, and we seek to live this out for our children. When they are impatient and use strong language, help us see past their words to their hearts that are just trying to survive. Help us speak to our lost sheep so that they can hear us and trust us like we trust you, so that they will heed our words of advice and encouragement. Grant us the wisdom to balance love for you, them, and ourselves, and even our ex-spouses out there. Help us spot parental alienation syndrome. Help us spot parental alienation syndrome and make us aware if we have been part of it. Help us apologize to our children and be better shepherds and trees of life for them. Seeing our humanity and flaws is okay. Watching us struggle and grow helps them do the same. Grant us the wisdom to raise our children as trees of life and good shepherds. In your name we pray, amen. Again, we are Little Pieces Club Ministries, and thank you for spending time with us. Next time, we'll continue to answer common parenting questions that come up.